0: up on this week's episode of check your balances we run you through a hypothetical situation if you're evaluating a job change how does that actually impact you financially stick around that's coming up next
1: check your balances is a show produced and owned by craftwork capital the views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of craftwork capital all investments have risk and may lose money Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed. And please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions.
0: Welcome back to another week of Check Your Balances. I'm Ross Anderson, joined as always by my friend and co-host, Dan Maseka. Dan, great to see you. Good to see you as well, Ross. We're talking financial planning today. I realize we talk about financial planning in most of our episodes in one form or another, but we're gonna actually get into a financial planning example. And I think this is actually gonna be fun. I hope our listeners enjoy it.
1: So today we're gonna talk about an example that probably is gonna face at least a fair number of you out there, and that is whether to take a new job opportunity or not. Now, there are a lot of factors that come into play as you're evaluating job opportunities. I know that I've faced them myself and One is evaluating whether you want to put yourself in the discomfort of going into a new scenario or staying where you might be happy, might have people you like, and in a job that's accommodating to all your current needs.
0: I mean, Dan, you and I both know there is a lot of comfort in the devil you know, right? I mean, even, even if you're not completely satisfied in your job right now, the fact that you know the quirks
1: and you are aware of the things you don't like, that gives a lot of people comfort. Certainly. You know, you reach a certain age where you don't even want to meet new people. You know the people you know. You don't need more people in your life. You have your best friends at work. You don't want to build new relationships. You get old and crotchety. Who's going to love an old crotchety man? Nobody. Or or woman, Dan. Come on now. I was speaking about myself, Ross. This is 2022, all right? So on the one hand, you have a job you like. Perhaps you're making plenty of money for your current lifestyle. You have friends at your workplace. You're comfortable. You may have amazing benefits and workplace perks like gyms and yoga and movie nights and all these great things. What would tempt you to stray to the other side? Oftentimes, more money. More money can help you accelerate your financial goals, give you perhaps some extra comfort, uh, so you know it's a real decision people are facing, and you have to decide where the value is for you.
0: And I think this is particularly relevant right now because you've got a kind of frenzied job market in a lot of areas. Uh, now, not everybody's dealing with this, not every skill set is in you know the the exact same levels of demand. But I know from friends that are recruiters, and just from what I've seen going on in the industry, that uh, there's a lot of demand for talent. And so for folks that are out there thinking you know maybe there is something out there i think this is an interesting time to be looking the other thing that's happening that i think is causing a lot of people to at least consider their options is simply the inflation uh and that existing employers tend to really anchor to what they're already paying you and similar to the way that we all anchor to our prices right people get frustrated when they watch things like gas go up that's what because we remember paying cheaper prices for gas a month ago or three months before that, right? We think that's what gas should cost because that's what I was paying for it. When you go to the pump today and it's more, you know, ugh, that's kind of frustrating. Well, unfortunately, the same thing happens from employers to employees. If they know that you were comfortable on X salary yesterday and you come back with a demand of something much higher, they have the same level of frustration with their talent pool. And that's really strange because if you go to somebody new and they demand a much higher salary tier, in theory, you should have been happier giving that to somebody that already worked there, that already knows the systems, that doesn't have that training debt that you have to kind of work through as you bring somebody on. But it seems like people get much better offers when they're jumping ship. Uh, and so I, you know, as part of the millennial culture that gets blamed for all of this job hopping stuff, I'm willing to embrace that, but that's the reality that I've seen as well. Uh, And so I think that's why this comes up so often as a financial planning question.
1: It's like the reverse devil you know for employers is the way things are being practiced. The hardest thing is to attract and retain a talented employee. But like you said, you see it much more often where they'll pay outside people more to come join their organization than give meaningful raises to people already within.
0: Okay, so let's get into our example today because I think... As we talk about this, it makes sense. And for most people, the thought of making more money sounds attractive. Uh, But when we're thinking about financial planning, I really think of it as what does it allow you to do? Uh, And so to demonstrate this for the purpose of our our show today, we actually built a hypothetical case. Uh, And Dan named our hypothetical client Janice. Janice doesn't exist. This isn't real. Um, and that's for a bunch of regulatory reasons. But we've made Janice up, and uh, she's lovely. You've really
1: upset the Janices out there that are listening.
0: I I mean, I'm not saying there isn't a real Janice. I'm just saying this isn't a real Janice.
1: Janice example doesn't exist.
0: Correct. Yeah, which is what we named our case in the planning software. So to set the stage for this, we just wanted to talk about where we assumed Janice was. And we thought Janice was already in a pretty good financial position. She's making $75,000 a year. She's 30 years old. She's accumulated a portfolio in total of $45,000. The majority of that, about 75% of that being in her 401k, where she's currently contributing 9% and getting a 3% match. And then she's got a savings account that has about $10,000, $12,000 in it, and she's putting 250 bucks a month into it. Right. So she's got no debt not a ton of obligations, very, very simple case from a financial planning perspective on kind of how we've set her up, but she is in pretty good shape through that. We wanted to look at a base case. So just with what she's doing, saving $9,000, basically, uh, into the 401k with between her contribution and her match. And then the additional 3000 she's putting into savings. Janice looks great. Um, We gave her three goals. The first two are basically retirement spending. Um, So we kind of broke that up into a core living expenses, kind of a keep the lights on expense, and probably where we think her lifestyle is. So in current dollars, we projected that she'd spend $48,000 a year, today's dollars. That's after tax, that's after all is said and done. And then we also put on there a home down payment goal. Of $50,000 in about five years. So we wanted to give her some realistic but very, very simple goals in terms of how we built this. So Janice is 30. She's got some assets. She's saving at a healthy rate of about 13% of her income, right Right, a little bit below that 15 that, that we generally like to see. But on that trajectory, if nothing changed, Janice looks pretty good. Uh, we work in probabilities And our baseline probability for how she was doing had her about 79% confidence that Janice would be able to retire by a normal age of about 65 and live on what she's currently saving. So by all stretches of the imagination for a 30-year-old doing all of the right things and in really good shape.
1: Now, in this scenario, we're imagining that Janice gets another employment opportunity that's going to pay her $100,000. So that's a thirty three percent increase in pay for her from the seventy five thousand dollars she's making. I think it goes without saying it puts you in a better position to take the new job, but we wanted to quantify what that looks like yeah you you didn 't need a
0: calculator to know that making a hundred grand is better than making seventy five grand, but the question is how much better or what does that open the door for and so that's what we wanted to poke around at so that we could help. Anyone listening out there that might be in a similar situation or have considered something like this, really start to to materialize what those differences are.
1: So the first scenario we ran for taking the new job was what would happen if Janice took the money and was able to save all of that extra pay? So she's, she's living a comfortable lifestyle now. She doesn't need anything extra, but she can direct those extra dollars into savings. We imagine that she would max out her 401k with her raise. And then that leaves her uh, about $9,000 on top of that to put into her taxable savings and invest there. So if she did those two things and those two things alone, which leaves her with the same exact amount of spending money she had before, her probability of success jumps from 79% to 99% confidence that she would meet her retirement goals which is as high as it goes. There's no 100% in this exam. There's always some chance that some crazy event happens and we miss it, but 99% for our case is about as good as it gets.
0: Yeah, so so it immediately goes to bulletproof, but even the probability of success I don't think really tells the story there. Now, we're using... Pretty modest numbers. So the software that we use right now has pretty modest capital markets assumptions. And I think that's because of where equity markets have been, where we are in the bull run cycle, et cetera. We've isolated the return. So I'm not playing with the return number across these scenarios because we just wanted to isolate it so that it's apples to apples. So with the same 5.67% return, that's what we're showing, sub 6%. Lifetime returns, and again, Janice is thirty. We're projecting this out until like her age ninety four I think, so realistically, her returns should be better than that, you know over the next 5. decade
1: 5.67 nominal returns, right, not even inflation adjusted real returns,
0: yeah, that's that's an adjusted real return in this of three point four two so we are not suggesting that Janice blows the doors off as an investor, okay, so this is how different it is. At her current level of savings, by age 65, Janice is likely to accumulate about $1.6 million. And that's great, right? She, she's saving basically uh, $12,000 a year, give or take right now. you know, f- For $12,000 plus a, a currently fairly modest portfolio to turn into $1.6 million, add that to her social security, whatever's there at that point, that looks excellent. That looks very, very comfortable and doable. With the additional savings, which is basically an additional 20K a year, it goes to almost $5 million. It is just shy of $5 million, what we assume Janice would retire with if she continued to work until age 65. That is a massive difference in compounded returns.
1: That can give you so many opportunities once you get towards retirement age. So maybe I'm not so concerned about what I'm gonna do today. People have different outlooks on whether they should spend money today or in the future. So assuming that I'm comfortable with where I am today, but by retirement, I have a meaningfully different portfolio size, I can choose to perhaps do something I never thought was possible. I could retire earlier. And so we wanted to look at that and quantify what early retirement would mean if you were on this new path and perhaps even look at what additional spending was available in retirement on that new track.
0: Yeah, so, so under the same spending assumption, so if she doesn't change her current spending from what it is today, and we're able to maintain that on an inflation-adjusted basis moving forward, the new retirement age that Janice can now basically be at with the same level of confidence she would be today. So we had it at 79 percent confidence that she could retire comfortably by age 65, the new one's at 81 so, percent, so very, very similar. and that's at age 54 that is 11 years sooner that Janice can now afford to retire if she's able to contribute this new savings to her retirement
1: projections. Yeah, that's over a decade of your life to commit to whatever you want to. That's that's meaningful.
0: Yeah, that's likely more than 10% of your lifespan in in all likelihood, right? Like that is an incredibly long amount of time to be able to add back. And Again, that doesn't necessarily mean that Janice is going to choose to do that. I I have personally been of this mindset. I've said this before on the show. I will probably say it again. I don't aspire to not do anything. Just for me, that doesn't sound fun. But I do love the idea of having the flexibility to work when, how, and at the pace and uh, energy level that I want to. And that's what we're really deciding for here is not necessarily will Janice retire at 54 but will she have the ability to? Will she have the freedom to go pursue a passion project if she wants to or volunteer rather than work a typical nine to five job? And she's done a lot here in making this sort of decision if she's able to do this.
1: So the other thing I just looked at right now was, let's say Janice did want to work till 65, was able to capture that extra savings, but instead of spending and continuing the same lifestyle that she did now, she said, you know, I've worked for it. I've saved for it. Let me do something more. So Janice can increase her retirement spend by 75% of what it was before and still have an 84% confidence that she can you know, meet that spending level throughout her lifetime. So that still puts us at even a better probability than her base case of meeting her retirement goals with substantially higher spending numbers.
0: And so realistically, you know, we isolated some of these things so that we could have this discussion and just talk about how stark of a difference it is. Um and and that's really helpful when you're trying to make a single decision in in a bubble is just to isolate those things down. What I think is likely to happen with somebody like this if you actually take this big of a of a pay increase, like a third additional pay, right? Uh is that I think she's probably going to spend a little bit more. We should give her as planners permission to have a little bit of lifestyle creep if she would like to, uh, while also creating a savings plan that is going to allow her to supercharge this retirement savings. So I don't necessarily think that the realistic outcome of a conversation like this is you're going to commit every single dollar of new income to not having fun and not enjoying it. Because the reality in our business is that we don't know if Janice is going to make it to 65 or even 54. right? We want to be in the business of enjoying life today while also balancing for that future. And that is really how I think of financial planning. Uh, I think of that balance all the time. It's kind of this YOLO versus what if I live too long that you should be weighing on a day-to-day basis. But this really allows Janice a lot of flexibility to potentially increase her budget on some lifestyle items while still supercharging her savings and putting herself in a way better position moving forward.
1: On a similar note, I'm not sure this decision is weighed out the same for someone who's 30 versus someone who's you know, in their late 50s. So the fact that Janice has decades of compounding means that this difference is going uh, to materialize in a really big way come retirement. And you probably need to think about it as such, even if you're in a position where you're currently happy with your employer. But if you're in your late 50s gearing up for retirement and are at a job that you love, the impact of a higher salary won't be the same by the time you're 65 because your money is basically what it is. Those dollars won't have the same opportunity to compound and contribute in as large a way to your portfolio. So I, I tend to weigh happiness a little bit heavier <laughs> the older we get and the closer we are to our to our goals. Um, and I also give happiness a lot of weight for younger folks too. But it, you know, we, we want to scrutinize it a little more and make sure we're not jeopardizing your future goals.
0: Well, yeah. And, and we're clearly just... We, we've had to cross a lot of bridges here to have this discussion. We wanted to present an example case without necessarily uh, breaking a bunch of regulatory rules. So, so we've had to make a bunch of assumptions. We're assuming that this new job is within Janice's skill set and that it's not going to make her miserable, right? If you are in a horrible situation and you're miserable because of the job... It doesn't matter if you can retire 11 years early; you're still going to have to do the job for the next 24 years. That's a very long time. So, we're not advocating that somebody put money above all in terms of making these decisions. I just think it's very difficult to think about what is the impact of an additional 25 grand of income without really thinking about what it could do for you. And and that's the lens that we wanted to share this with.
1: Ross, are you comfortable sharing your most miserable job?
0: Uh, I am. Um, I feel bad saying it because they were good people, but I did an internship in college at Smithfield Foods, uh, and it wasn't that uh, they were mean to me or anything like that. It was just a very poor fit in terms of the role and what I was doing, Um, and and, uh, I immediately changed majors for what it was. I I was actually a marketing major at the time, and before I even got back to school that next semester, I had changed to finance. Uh, So I'm actually very grateful for that job, even though it was not a fun experience for me. But that job really uh, changed my trajectory to the one that I'm currently on and, and uh, enjoying. So I thank them for that. And uh, yeah, no, no, no ill will towards the folks
1: there. I also worked for a marketing company over the summer. And my job was to call every business listing they had in their catalog and verify that the person in charge of whatever category I was looking at was still there and still the appropriate contact person. There were thousands of names. And that catalog was so outdated, I would say, you know, perhaps 15 or 20% of the people were dead, uh, which was awkward. Holy cow. And then the rest of them were just gone.
0: So, So what I spent that summer doing was cataloging when competitors to Smithfield ran like grocery store coupons in every category they competed in. And so for like people that don't know Smithfield, it was like spiral hams and bacon and like a bunch of like random stuff and i spent my day looking at a digital archive of grocery store coupons <laughs> i can't imagine a worse way to spend a day and again like that was just me that was for me not not uh anything that they're doing i feel bad i uh, don't <laughs> want it to sound like i'm ripping on them but uh that was a horrible way for me to spend a day especially a summer
1: you're like a 50s tv mom tracking coupons
0: yeah but i wasn't even saving any money doing it it was just like and and so many of them were obvious like you get hot dog ads in the summer when people are barbecuing and then you you know get other ads around the holidays for hams like i, I mean some of it was like yeah of course that's when the ads for honey baked ham are out like i uh, is it, yeah some some of it was very very strange but uh, i hope whatever i did for them created some value uh, beyond my my effort
1: well, we hope that all of you find happiness in whatever your work endeavors lead you to. As always, if you have any questions that you want us to cover on the show or want to share your worst professional experience, we would certainly love to hear it. Email us at com.
0: Also, if you want a copy of the plan, uh, we didn't actually write any recommendations, but if you just want to see the difference, um, I'm willing to send this out to, to anybody that wants to see it, The the planning projections. Um, because I do think that the numbers are interesting. So if you if you want to learn about Janice's job change, we can we can send you those projections as well. Just shoot us an email. Thanks everybody for tuning in this week. We hope this was helpful. We'll catch you next time.